Father, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. So, Lord, bless your word. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to have your love letter on our laps. Father, we are blessed in a world that is anti-God. We just thank you, Father, that we are pro-God, that we love you because of what you did for us by sending your son Jesus to die for us. That's why we're here this morning. It's not because we're religious, not because we're trying to punch the clock and get good credits. No, Father, most of us in this room are here this morning because we love you, because you first loved us. So inspire our hearts even this morning, Father, as we read your word. Help us to grow. Help us to be more like Jesus. It's really our desire. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching that I'll be used of you, Lord, to glorify you through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we, we really cannot connect this psalm with any specific time frame in David's life, but it appears to be written in his later years. He, he makes reference in verses 4 through 6 to how short life is. Now, for me, that gives me a little clue that David probably wrote this in his later years because when you're young, you usually don't think about how short life is. How many of you, when you were in your younger years, thought, man, the summer is going so slow? See, we didn't have social media. We didn't have all the gadgets we have nowadays. So it was slow. When's, you, you finally got to the spot. When's school going to start? I miss all my friends. But now it's just, there's not enough hours in a day. We're all so busy. So many things vying for our attention. So I personally think that this is, David wrote this in his later years. You see, he's evaluating time and that his time is shorter than most. And as you get older, that's just a reality. There's a lot of young people. I'm 57. There's a lot of young people. You 70-year-old, there's a lot of young people. In your 80s, man, everybody's young. Wow. That's just reality. That's just life. It also appears to be a summation psalm of David's trials. You see, he's able to look back and to give some insights about his life. You see, he's very good about doing that. Some of us are not, but David is. And we should appreciate that fact, for we can obviously learn a lot through observing. This is so key. Through observing someone else's mistakes as well as successes. Uh, Jadutham here, it says a psalm of David, or to the chief musician, to Jadutham, a psalm of David. Here is also mentioned in the titles of Psalm 62 and Psalm 77, and was one of the musicians appointed by David to lead Israel's public worship. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians there, 16, those verses. Well, let's look at verses uh, 1 and 2. I said, now this is David speaking, but again, remember, he's singing. This is a song. The Psalms are songs. I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle, while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good. 
and sorrow was stirred up. Again, here's a, another good, to me, another good indication that David was, is older. He has gained wisdom in keeping his words to himself. Often when we're young, we just uh, engage our mouth before we engage our brain. And hopefully as you get older, you reverse that and learn to engage your brain before you engage your mouth. And that saves a lot of trials and tribulations. He also expresses what is happening, though, within him. You see, there's a desire to share with the ungodly the shortness of this life because everyone... Everyone, and we know this. That's why even as we sang that song, today, the Holy Spirit wants to move today. People are going to die today. They might not be in our sphere of influence. You know, those four, six, eight, ten people that, that we have relationships with, that we go to work around. Might not be one of those, but there are a lot of people dying this very day. And so it's important for us to be aware, to be alert, to be available, because everyone will stand before the judgment seat of God. Every person. And God loves every person, so God, and this is hard for us to understand, but God is reaching out to every single person on the face of this earth. 7.3 billion people. And a majority of those people do not believe in God. When you look at religions and break it down, a majority do not. And so we have a great opportunity in our neighborhoods, in our work environments, at the store. So David here is just expressing something on the inside. And for me, a side note, I wrote this proverb uh, out. We got a little slide. Proverbs 1019. Uh, it's a proverb that, that I have memorized and try to stick to. You see, on Sunday morning, I have to do a lot of talking. Most of the time, most of the rest of my life, I don't do a lot of talking for various reasons. Um, it's just not my makeup. But this psalm or this proverb, you know, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Came across this proverb many, many years ago. And uh, I just observed people that, that talk a lot. And sure enough, you know, this proverb is true. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Now, we do obviously need to talk. We do need to communicate. That needs to take place. But sometimes, you know, in an argument especially, who's going to stop? Obviously, you're both right. So who's going to stop? somebody's got to stop. I mean, if you're having an argument, it's not because you're wrong and you're arguing that you're wrong. So somebody just has to zip the lips. And in the New, New Living Translation, I like this. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible. Be sensible. And keep your mouth shut. I, that, that's very good right there. I like that. You see, in, in marriage discipling... When you, have a, when you have an argument going on, somebody needs to raise their hands. Somebody needs to raise their hands. And obviously in any relationship, this needs to take place. And when one person raises their hands, what are you saying? What, what, this is a universal symbol for what? Begins with S, U, R, R. Surrender. So somebody just needs to say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to surrender. But somebody's got to stop because we're getting nowhere. Take a break, take time out, let's stop, let's think, let's pray, let's go apart, we'll come back together in five or ten minutes. There's wisdom in that, guys. There's wisdom in that. Just a little side note. Verses three through five, 
My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days? That I may know how frail I am. Listen to that. This is you and me. We are all very frail. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. David knows that God's eternal. What's 70 years? What's 80 years compared to eternity? It's nothing. Certainly every man, this was include women, mankind, certainly every person at their best state is but vapor. You see, David held his tongue until he could hold it no longer. But I like, I like who he cried out to and that what he cried out about. Life is short. Life is short. And David is saying, help me to understand how short life is. Help me to not place my trust in my own wealth. David is king, most likely when he wrote this, especially in his later years, obviously, he would have been king. He was very, very wealthy. And maybe this is why David sinned against God by counting his army. And you can find that story in 2 Samuel 24. You know, maybe he got to that place of self-reliance. How many of you are self-reliant? Amazing, nobody shoots their hand up. Let me ask it again and be honest. How many of you are self-reliant? I am self-reliant. That's, that's something that we develop in our lifetimes. That's something that my dad beat into us as, as little ones. I don't mean literally, obviously, just drummed it into our heads. You know, get the job done. Don't rely on somebody else. Just get the job done. You know, we were raised. If, if work was going on, it wasn't like working for the county or the city. You, you walk, you drive by the county or the city project, you got one guy working and four guys sitting on shovels. That was never in our household. It was like, if you see somebody working, you better find something and help them work. Now, there are some times where you do have to, you know, watch. Because obviously, you can't get in the middle of something. But there's other times where it's like, uh, you know, come on. And that's what I'm teaching my grandchildren. And that's what we taught our kids. Didn't drum it into their head, but we taught them an application. Don't sit there and watch somebody else labor if you have the ability to help. It's important to dive in and help. But unfortunately, what that can produce on the negative side is I don't need anybody else. I can do it myself. Just get out of the way and let me do it. So you have to find that healthy balance. And make sure that you don't go down a road that even David went down. Again, you can check out the story. It cost thousands of Israelites their lives. David's pride cost thousands of Israelites their lives. That's a bad choice. So be careful in and of ourselves. James, let's look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and verses that you're probably familiar with, but there might be some young believers here. 
James chapter 4, 13 through 15. And if you're new or visiting and don't have a Bible, we encourage you to grab a Bible out of the chair in front of you. Make sure you know your Bible. And I really want to encourage you, we had a conversation this past week about devices. I really want to encourage you, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a Bible on your device. Um, but if we have a, a, what is it called, an EMP uh, attack, electromagnetic pulse, I think it's called, that's supposed to happen on November 4th. I don't know how they know it's going to happen on November 4th, but they're throwing it out there that it might happen on November 4th, which is what, this Saturday? Kiss your device goodbye if it happens. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check it out. Kiss your device goodbye. So you better get used to having a Bible, if nothing else, on at least a Sunday morning. So if something does happen, you know where to find it at home and you know how to use it. Let me see. Where is, and you have no idea, and you don't even realize you have a context in the front of your Bible that makes it easier. But is there, get used to your Bible. It's really important to get used to your Bible. Come now, James says, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, the stock market could crash. Oh no, it doesn't say uh, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time. Now, James wrote this 2,000 years ago, roughly. There's been a lot of vapor since then. We got to get our minds in this, in this perspective of we are marching towards eternity. We are marching towards eternity. And whether you're young or old, you don't know when the Lord is going to call you home. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, James encourages us, if the Lord wills, I have my plans, but if it's the Lord's will, if the Lord's will, we shall live and do this or that. You see, when, when you and I, when we start to measure ourselves against the Lord and what awaits us in heaven, we really start to realize that nothing on this earth compares to that. Nothing. And you learn to let go of the temporal stuff so that you might invest in the eternal and gain that which cannot be taken away. And so even with Operation Christmas Child, I mean, think about what is I'm saying right there. As you spend those few moments in a store shopping for trinkets that mean nothing to you, those, those trinkets that will probably be broke within a year, but for someone else who doesn't have anything, who doesn't even have shoes, when they receive a box... It's like you receiving a $10,000 reward or a $100,000, whatever monetary money you want to put out there, monetary amount. It's, it's gold to them. It's treasure. It's unbelievable. So again, we could take our children and our grandchildren and we can start investing. Hey, you know what? We're investing in eternity right here, right now. And they'll probably do the dog thing, you know. Huh? You get to explain. We're storing up treasure in heaven. We're thinking of someone else. We're taking the money that we could spend on ourselves and we're spending on somebody that we'll probably never know 
until we possibly get to heaven because they might receive Jesus as the gospel is put in the box as well with all of these toys. So it's very, very practical, guys. As you and I, we get our eyes off of the temporal and we get our eyes onto the eternal. And even doing something little like this can impact so many lives. So many lives. You see, most people live from the perspective of the here and now. The here and now. Or what we call the temporal. But you see, as believers, we are called to live out the here and now with an eternal perspective in mind. It's not just about the here and now. Yes, our earthly responsibilities are the here and now. But we also got to be thinking of the eternal. God, what do you want to do with my paycheck? I know what I want to do with it, but what do you want to do with it? God, what do you want to do with my marriage? I know what I want to do with it, but what do you want to do with it? Family, being single. Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to hang out with? Asking these simple little questions, you're putting your life into God's hands of God, and he's going to answer that. He is going to answer that. Verses 6 and 7, Psalm 39. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. You see, David had something that very few people had. Think big here. He was poor. If you've been with us for a while, you remember that David was chased away from the kingdom. He went from having anything, anything as being son-in-law to the king to absolutely nothing besides the clothes on his back, literally. And then though, up to possibly 10 years later, he became rich, very rich. You see, David had both worlds. And so he was able to say with confidence that the Lord was his hope. And what a blessed place that is to be able to grasp. You see, when you finally realize that this life is not about riches, but about relationships. Because notice what David says at the end of verse 7 there. My hope is in you. That's relationship. Even though he has all of these things around him, he goes back to his ultimate eternal relationship, God. It is about God. You see, in reality, I think this is a very hard place to get to. And I also think very few people have gotten there. If you think big and you really think about what David's life was about. You see, it's easy for you and I to say our only hope is in God, but again... Very few believers in our culture have gotten to that place of destitution. Destitution, myself included. Praise God, I've never experienced that. But David has. He's been there. So he knew from personal experience what he was talking about. So the key to verse 7 there is, And now, Lord, what do I wait for? I don't know who's going to get my wealth. Look at all this wealth I have. 
I, I, I'm, I'm assuming Solomon is. That's who I would like to have it. But who knows? You see, David has lived long enough to know the chaos of politics. I don't know. So what is my hope? My hope is in God. Verse 8 and through 11. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. Remove your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of your hand. When with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is vapor. David is doing some very serious introspection here. You see, David acknowledges that he is being disciplined due to his own poor choices. He was mute. Notice it says, I was mute in verse 9 there. I was mute. He didn't argue with God's discipline, but rather he cries out for God's mercy. You see, David was being chastened by the Lord. And he knew, this is a tongue twister, and he knew that the Lord knew what was best for him. And again, that's even a hard place for many Christians to get to, many believers to get to. You know that that old show, Fathers Knows Best? Sometimes that even comes into our minds. God, do you do you really know what you're doing? Are you sure this is the best for me? Because when I watch the Christian fiction channel, they're not that doesn't line up with that. So do you really know what you're doing? The enemy tries to raise doubt into our minds. And, and I wonder if David was expressing something about himself. That when God disciplines his kids, it can make everything you have seem worthless. You know, when we look at the moth, I had to look that up because I wondered about that. And really, moths don't do the damage. It's the eggs that the moth lays. It's called the marvy. The little stinking kids. And they do a lot of damage when left unchecked. They eat anything and everything to create a cocoon to spin around themselves in order to eventually become a moth. Then they can take the beautiful garment, or they can take a beautiful garment and turn it into trash quickly. So David uses that animal to make an analogy about his life. Again, David had made some very serious mistakes. Most of you know what those are. You see, when sin is left unchecked, when we ignore the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the grieving of the Holy Spirit, and we continue to sin, it's like the larvae, just eating and eating and eating, and eating, and growing, and growing, and growing, until something comes forth that none of us want. A life that people look at and go, what a waste. Look at what they had. Look at what they're throwing away. What a waste. And I know none of us in this room want that to be said of us, so we have to be aware 
David is expressing himself, I was disciplined and I was mute because I was the problem. Not my parents, not society, not anybody else. I was the problem. He stepped up and he took the responsibility. Verse 12, hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as all my fathers were. Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. Before I die. Before I die. You see, there's no better place to be than the arms of a loving God. You see, there was a time of chastisement. And this time is in all of our lives. If we are sons and daughters of God. And there is a time of refreshing. And David was ready for that time of refreshing. But he understood the chastisement. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You see, David knew that this earth was not his home. Again, I think this is another indication that he's older. And he makes reference to his ancestry, which was obviously not very far from where he was, a few hundred years versus from where we are today. And so he makes reference as a sojourner as all my fathers were. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place where he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations. So it's a literal place. And heaven is a literal place with literal foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. Now that's amazing because Abraham didn't have the Old Testament or the New Testament. He just had a relationship with God. And God said, Abraham, I want you to leave. And Abraham desired that relationship so much that he left everything behind, his family, to go off to a place that, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to await me. I have no idea. But God, I'm trusting that you're directing me. I mean, that's faith. That's why it says faith, faith, faith. And we can look at that and go, now wait a minute, I've got the Old and the New Testament. And I have a hard time walking by faith. You just got to develop that relationship more. I mean, it's that simple. And it's by reading from Genesis to Revelation on a regular basis so that you do develop that relationship. You see, Abraham developed that relationship. Skip down to verse 13. These all died in faith. So now it's the, the, the author, the Holy Spirit, and I believe Paul wrote it, but the author is saying others as well, other of our forefathers died in faith, not having received the promises. Having, but, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Now let's make this real, let's make this practical. You've paid into, so, many of you have paid into Social Security for years and years and years. What's the promise? 
What's the promise? When you get to a certain age, you're going to get this much money back per month for the rest of your life. That's a big promise. And where's the promise coming from? Yeah, think about it. Our government. That's a big promise. Do they keep all their promises? But man, are we, you know, we just, you know, yeah, we're banking on the government to pull through. I've got Social Security waiting for me. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. And we can get so focused on our 401k or Social Security or whatever it is that when things do go south, our whole life goes south. Instead of just going, well, no, my eyes are in heaven. And God, you provided for me these 65 years, these 70 years, these 80 years. I don't know how you're going to do it because Social Security just went kaput. My 401K's in the bank. You know, it's done. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you. That's faith. That's faith. So where is our faith? Is the faith in our government or is the faith in our God? I mean, that's the bottom line question. Where is our faith? Because none of these people had 401K's. None of them have the things, the wonderful things that we have today. And it's a blessing to have them. But they didn't have them because why? Their eyes were looking past the temporal. You see, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things, notice this, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And and that was one of the songs that we sang, sang this morning. Heaven. Guys, we're going to heaven. There's nothing compares to heaven. It's phenomenal. And truly, if they had been called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. If Abraham would have focused about, oh man, I could have had it so easy where I was at. But, but, but Abraham, you know, burnt the boat, so to speak. I'm not going back. This is where God wants me. This is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to stay. And until he tells me to go somewhere else, then I'm going to go, I'll go somewhere else. But until then, I'm going to stay here with my tent. That's all he had. Tent and animals. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Notice that. Heaven is 1,500 miles square and 1,500 miles tall. Figure that out. That is a lot of space. It's a lot of space. And you and I, we're going to go there. We're going to literally be there because we have Jesus as our Savior. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God himself, not our government, not a local contractor that tries to do their best. No, God has prepared a place for you and me. It's incredible, guys. You see, the exhortation for us all that I get out of this psalm is to have a loose hold on the things of this world as David is looking back and even looking at his life. Because you never know when God may remove them or when he might call you home to heaven. Have a light touch. Psalm 40. This is a messianic psalm and as a few verses are referenced in Hebrews chapter 10. And again, we're not, we're not sure when it was written but it was written through the experiences of life lessons of David. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. 
and set my feet upon a rock and establish my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. I have that highlighted at the end of verse 3 in my Bible. Many will see it and fear or have a healthy reverence to God. Guys, many people are looking at us in our workplaces and saying, what makes you different than me? What makes you different than me? And in reality, it might just be your faith. You might do the exact same job, the exact same amount of hours. You might get paid the exact same amount of money. The difference is you have Jesus. They're looking at that. And David goes on to say, and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. You see, our lives can have a tremendous impact upon the souls of others, as I just mentioned. And one of those differences is marked by patience. How many of you have ever prayed for patience? Anybody in this room ever paid for patience? Isn't that amazing? And what happens? And when you talk to other Christians, you know, sometimes you say, well, you know, I'm praying for patience. And what, what is a typical response from the Christian? <gasps> don't do that. You don't want to do that. <laughs> okay, why not? Because God's going to answer your prayer. And you're going to grow up and you're going to mature. I mean, that's the end result, but it's like we look at it as a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Here we see David patiently waiting upon God's deliverance. And, and often our ways end up causing us to sink into the quicksand of troubles, our impatience. We go from one sorrowful incident to another, but when we turn to the Lord with all of our heart, God places us upon a firm foundation. And this is what David just expressed. You might want to look at Matthew chapter 7. We're short on time, so... Write it down, Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. God set David upon a firm foundation, and he will do that for us as well. You see, there's an obvious personal testimony in these verses here that David's sharing with us. When I finally wait upon the Lord, I give him the necessary time to mature me, and I can see transformation taking place. So let me ask you that question as we leave that up there. Some of you prayed for patience. Did you see that take place in your life? Did you see yourself mature? And can you look back and say, I see a transformation in my life? Can anybody see that? Raise your hand high if you can so that others will start praying for patience. You don't have to be afraid of it. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. And this could have a tremendous impact upon others as well, including them coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Because God does indeed hear our prayers. Notice that in verse 1. He inclined to me. And he will answer them according to his eternal, his eternal insight. Not my short-sightedness, but his eternal insight. And David received a new song. Verses 5 through 10. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be reconciled to you in order. If I could declare, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. 
Sacrifice and offering you do, you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O Lord, you yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. So again, this is another wonderful reason why we gather for all these various events so that you can express to someone at the singles gathering, the young adults gathering, the marriage enrichment, the ladies' Bible study, the men's Bible study, the midweek, whenever it might be, you can proclaim God's goodness and how you see his goodness in your life, however that has played out this past week. You see, in these verses here, David is able to look back at his life and proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Even though the Old Testament economy was based upon sacrifices required, this is very important, the most important sacrifice was a person's heart. If their heart was not right with God, their sacrifice meant nothing. And if you're here today just because you're punching the religious clock and you think of it as a sacrifice, oh, I gave up some of my time to God. But your heart is not sincerely here it means absolutely nothing. Nothing. If you give up your finances or time for other things and your heart is not right, it means absolutely nothing. People may pat you on the back. They may praise your name. But God knows the heart. God knows the mind. And so that means we have to reevaluate our heart and our mind and get in line with God's will. Notice here in verses 6 through 10 here that, that David prophesies about the coming Messiah, as I mentioned earlier. Paul confirms this again in Hebrews 10, 6 through 8, this verbiage. So you can check that out on your own, Hebrews 10, 6 through 8. Verses 11 and 12, Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord, let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. Notice that. Your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails within, falls with my, therefore, my heart fails me. David admits his shortcomings, but also his total reliance upon God. For he goes on to say, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backwards and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! Again, notice David's reliance upon God. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. 
Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. That word magnified there in the Hebrew, it means to grow, to become great of importance, to promote, to make powerful. Now again, I try to learn your names, but I, I know most of you by face, and I know many of you here, most of you here have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and so you are saved. Not because you came to church, not because you put money in a box, or said a bunch of prayers, or any of that nonsense. You admitted that you were a sinner in need of a Savior, and you received Jesus, and that granted you salvation. And so notice what it says there. Let such as love your salvation say continually. So for us as believers, the Lord be magnified. Grow the Lord in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to grow the Lord in your life. That the Lord will become of great importance to you. That you would be free to promote the Lord. That means witnessing in a natural way, like I shared with you earlier about the propane tank situation. You see, as you continually try to do that, just, just naturally, not being hokey, but just naturally sharing the love. You know, I'm so thankful. Last night, I, I've met several people, some people I haven't seen for a while, and we talked about it. I said, man, I'm so thankful I am one week closer to going home. And they just got a big smile on their face. Because we're all under stress. We all have responsibilities. We all see what's happening in our world. That it's not getting better. It's getting worse. We all know that. So how do you relieve that? By sharing with somebody else how happy you are to go to heaven. It makes them think you're a little weird. But it puts a smile on their face and they start to think about that. And all of a sudden their problems that they're having aren't as big as they thought they were. Because guys, these problems are going to all be over one day. As we sang earlier. It's going to all be over. Thank God. So every week for me, every day for me is, thank you, God, I am one week closer. Thank you, God, I am one day closer. Thank you, God. Magnify the Lord in your life, and it'll just automatically come out of you. And again, people will think you're weird, but they might need that hope. They might need that hope. Because this life is not getting any better. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. Notice this. The Lord thinks upon me. David doesn't have the whole New Testament. And he realizes that God is thinking about him. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. Father, we just thank you and praise you. You are so good to us. We're like the larvae. But yet because we've received Jesus as our Savior, we are your sons We are your daughters. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We know as believers that the last breath we take on this earth, we are going to take our first breath in heaven. No more trials, no more tribulations. Father, we just thank you and praise you for that. Help us this day, help us this week to magnify your name in our lives. Help us, Lord, to grow that relationship even more. To allow you to grow in importance in our life. 
For we do have a lot of responsibilities, and, and we thank you for those, and we want to be diligent. But Lord, we want you to receive the glory first and foremost. Father, we want to promote you when we're at the store. We want to promote you to our neighbors in, in however that may play out. Lord, we just want to, we want to allow you to become more powerful in our lives, practically speaking. Not the Christian fiction nonsense. But we want you to become more powerful in our lives, practically speaking. That we might have healthy relationships, whether we're single or married. That we would be good workers. That we'd be the best employee on the job site. Lord, just fill us with your Holy Spirit. Even right now, Lord, as we, as we pray, your son said to ask, to seek, to knock. So, Father, we do that right now. Maybe it was just a horrendous week for someone here this morning. Bad news. Emotions off the chart. Father, comfort them. We're so glad they're here. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and strengthen them and get their eyes refocused on eternity. That all of everything we have is going to pass and we're going to leave it to someone else. Lord, help us to find that, that balance, that, that, that priorities, that, that we'll have true balance in our lives. Help us to get rid of things that are just, they're overwhelming. They're too much. Give us wisdom, Lord, on even how to do that. That we might get back to just the basics. Having food, having clothes, being a part of the family of God, and having a light touch on this earth. Father, give us, help us to find that balance. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for our community. And Lord, as we go out into our community this week, help us to be available. We thank you for every soul that came last night, saved and and unsaved. And Lord, we pray for those unsaved souls, that they would come to know Jesus. Help us to be available. Again, however that plays out this week, Lord, help us to be aware that today is your day. Today, you desire to use us for your glory. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? God bless you guys. Have a great day. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you need Jesus, come up. We'd love to pray with you to receive Jesus. God bless you guys. Have a great week. When we all get to heaven, what a day the rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout for victory when we-
blessing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout for victory one more time. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. We'll sing and shout the victory. We'll sing and shout the victory. God bless you.